Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you. Well, you're welcome, Paige. Today we're talking about adult children and guess what? You are one. I was going to say, I happen to be one of those things. Yeah. So we're going to talk about becoming a great parent to adult children. So in the last while now, it's been quite a few years, I've had my children graduating into adulthood. And that was the goal all along is to get them to that place where they could start their own lives and their own families and everything else. And that is definitely happening in my home. In fact, I've only got one child left at home and he turned 17 this week. So, I mean, we are just right there. He's going to be starting college stuff soon and, and everything else. Uh, So things are just, everyone's growing up, everyone. So what we want to talk about is how do you, how do you do some of that transition? How do you help adult children in a parental capacity, but when they are adults and it looks a little bit different. So there's some people who want to know about that, been asking about it. And honestly, everywhere I go, people bring this up. There are so many parents who want to make sure that they're still Um, reaching their children, even when the children are adults. I mean, obviously, always. And sometimes even struggle when the children and them have a bad connection during those adult years. So hopefully we can help with some ideas there for how to work on that and fix that. Um, But before we do, there is a tradition here at the Teaching Self-Government podcast. (laughs) And that is that we always give a fun family activity. So this week, Paige, we've got something fun, something we've done at our house, at other places, everything else. What what do we have for a fun family activity today? This week, it is Nerf Wars. So if you are into Nerf guns or anything like that, or, you know, foam dart guns, they don't have to be the Nerf brand, but we love to shoot it up with some Nerf Wars. It's super fun. Um, There's actually also a place that we go to that's close to our house. It's called Dart Side. Um, So that's a fun place to go if you want like a formal arena to, you know, have Nerf Wars in, but also just to do it at home. It's really fun. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is you could make an arena so easily. You can take your basement or your garage or your big family room or something and you set up obstacles in the middle and things to hide behind. (laughs) You move the furniture around. And you put each team on each side of the room or each side of the garage or the basement or the yard or wherever it happens to be. You have to have boundaries. No one can go out of the boundaries. And and there's an honor system. When they get hit, they've got to go out. So you divide into teams. Maybe you even invite other families over with you to play this so that you've got a nice big group and you divide up. And then you have one person maybe be the ref and call, go. Yep. And then you all go from each side and you go at it with each other and you hide behind the different obstacles and you're shooting around corners and over tops of things. Oh, it's so fun. Especially when you get all ages involved. Ooh, the competitive side really, really comes out. And it's, so it's stealth. Okay. You got to be super stealth. And the thing is, is you're going to probably have to pre-teach everybody to not take it personal when they get out. Cause you can play lots (laughs) of rounds, you know, do it again and again. 
And if you get, if you get out, you just laugh about it. You're just like, I'm out. And then you go over in the little edge, the little side, the pit, you know, where you wait until the game gets over and you cheer for your team. So no big deal. Make sure you prep everybody that when you get shot, you, you be honest, you accept the no answer, you go out. And then once we get it down to everybody on a certain team has been shot, (laughs) then the game is over. So that round. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes it gets down to three on one. Sometimes it gets down to one on one. Sometimes (laughs) it gets down to 10 on one, you know? Yeah. But you get down to that last person and you take care of that. Yeah. And a fun alternative to that is if you don't have Nerf guns, you could also do like a paper ball war, like take some old newspapers or something, wad them up real tight. That's an idea too. Oh, totally. You could do all kinds of things. You could even use sock balls. You could use all kinds or those little snowballs that you can buy, you know, that are like just puffy snowballs, (laughs) you know, and so you could have snowball fights instead of like the wool balls that you get for your dryer. (laughs) Those might be a little tough. I don't know. Maybe, but there's alternatives. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we're saying. You could get created if you don't have Nerf guns where you live. Yep. But yeah, so that is our family activity for this week. All right, Paige, we got to talk about adult children and about parenting and adult children. And here at the Teaching Self-Government Podcast, we look at every topic through the lens of self-government. Self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. As an adult child, Paige, what do you appreciate about self-government and about um, what you've learned from self-government? Oh goodness. So much. In fact, enough that sometimes it even gets in the way (laughs) to some extent, because, you know, I married someone who was not raised with self-government. And so my brain used to analyzing, I analyze myself all the time, but I also analyze my husband. And so (laughs) sometimes it's like, it can be a little annoying, but, um, only if I, if I take it personal, you know, if I analyze maybe a a small problem and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's annoying. But, um, a lot of times we'd be like, Oh, okay. So that action is coming from this, you know, emotion or this feeling. Okay. So how can I address that? So it's actually been really good for having a very open, um, relationship with my husband and we have very, very open, clear lines of communication. In fact, just earlier today, um, he had sent me a message and I'm like, oh, that's funny, you know, but then he was like really angry for some reason. He was doing dishes really angrily. (laughs) And so I said, do you want to talk about something? He's like, well, earlier, you know, I talked to you about something and you just kind of walked away when this is what I was talking about and what I was meaning. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, (laughs) it didn't even cross my mind. Whereas if we didn't have that clear communication open, we probably wouldn't have had that conversation and he would have stayed mad for a good chunk of the day. And that's what you're saying is, is you can accept criticism, right? open communication with him. Um, it sounds like he's still working on accepting no answers, <laughs> like when you walk away or at least bringing it to your attention soon enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 
but, but you're knowing what you're seeing, you're examining some things. So mm-hmm. self-government does make a difference as an adult person. And I think one thing that really we have going um, for us, or at least one thing I've noticed for you is that our relationship, you an adult and me an adult and you, my child, and you know, I'm the parent and we have this incredible connection and bond we do. where we can talk about anything. doesn't matter what it is. Uh, we don't think, take things personally and get upset and angry. We can give each other feedback and criticism when needed. Um, we can, you know, help give each other advice and that kind of thing. And, and so we really have this ideal relationship really um, going forward for the rest of our lives. Not that I'm controlling anything in your life because I'm not that. And so we, we got to have that. That's got to be really clear, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you don't at all for sure. In fact, that was very clear when, you know, I went with you recently to a conference and um, we were there. We, we basically were just best friends. I, I mean, of course you're my mother, but we, we are best friends. And that's just how as adults we are like our roles look a little different. You know, you no longer govern my life or tell me what to do, but you're there for me when I have questions, you know, about maybe different relationship things or, you know, now that I'm pregnant, like getting ready for family things, um, stuff like that. So I know I can always turn to you when I have questions, which is so nice because it's not always the case where, you know, children have that strong connection with their parents and can rely on them still um, for information and advice later on in life. So it's definitely not the case. And I'm glad you bring that up. I know you were telling me that just uh, recently there was a family that was talking to you about, hey, how do I help my older children? I was just at a conference recently. This is not the one I was with you, but with somebody else. <laughs> and um, And when I was there, there was a parent that came to talk to me and She said, you know, it's just a whole different game when you have adult children and I've got adult children and I've got these older teens and I wish that I would have known this, you know, I don't know how many times I've heard that. I wish I would have (laughs) known this ahead of time. I wish I would have set things up differently. My children, they just, you know, they don't listen to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm seeing my children that have children of their own, you know, maybe they're in their thirties or something. They have children of their own and I try to offer suggestions and they absolutely tune me out. They will not listen to me. In fact, if I say anything, they get mad. She said, so, so one thing I've just decided is I can't say anything. I just have to look on and hope for the best for parents, especially when they see their kids are not making suitable choices for their family. Well, but there has to be an openness. See, before you could correct someone, someone has to decide that they're open to the correction or the suggestion. They have to decide that that's super important. So um, with all of my children, we have planned ahead of time what the adult years would look like because we're going to have more years with you guys as adults and us as adults than we even did when you were children. It's true. (laughs) So, so it would be ridiculous for us to only focus on those childhood years and be like, Hey, when they get to be adults, woohoo, see you later. And like not (laughs) plan for that. That would be very stupid. 
it would be it, it's short-sighted right but i but you know what's funny is that it's so super normal in our society to not plan for what it would be like afterward in fact i think everyone just says well you get them to that age and then that's all you can do because because their life is their life and it is true that their life is their life uh, yes but no <laughs> Well, because they're always connected to you and to everybody else in the family. Like right. you just don't go off on being an adult and boom, I'm not connected to family anymore. I mean, yeah. you're, you're always connected. So your life always does impact everybody in your family, everybody, yeah. you know, your, your, your siblings, children, you know, what you mm-hmm. do now even affects, you know, Porter's children down the road. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that literally is how it is. You have to keep that long view of who you are, but I think I think what people are saying is, well, I can't keep a rein on them and a hold on them. And that's absolutely true. Yeah. You can't control them, but you can foster a relationship where they will still desire a connection and a bond with you. In fact, Mm -hmm. we, we have a very dear friend um, that we've known for a very long time, my whole life, basically where their, their children, once they left the house, they just kind of never spoke to them again. And so this couple, they know they have grandchildren and, um, but they like hardly ever, ever, ever see their kids or their grandkids. And Mm -hmm. so, um, we actually were kind of (laughs) adopted into their family as their grandkids. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's been such a good, a fun relationship. And I think, um, lately those relationships have been mending, but it's been so sad to see them grow old and not have like even just a cordial relationship with their children. Yeah, it, it really has been. In fact, I was just talking to that dear friend of ours just the other day. And, um, and I noticed that a lot of the interactions that they happen to have with their children and grandchildren just revolve around money. Mm, that's so giving sad. Money, giving money. And, and I think a lot of people think, well, the way that you support is you give money um, financial gifts, you know, oh, when you die, you leave them some money. And then they think you were, (laughs) no, when you die, you leave them a legacy of memories. (laughs) Yeah. If there's money there too, great. But like, that's not what, that's not really like, you know, the main thing that somebody that's going to change somebody really forever. The money's just like, oh, that was nice. You know, but, um, but when you're only just your conversations only revolve around money or trips or whatever, but it's never, um, it's never around just the day-to-day stuff and, and how are you doing? And what did you think about this? And let's talk about, you know, this and let's pray together and, you know, things that families do, um, then there is a void there. And I think we've seen that with some of our friends. And it's sad. And I definitely did not want that. So all the way along, I had this family vision of who we would become as a family. And I shouldn't say just me, me and dad. And when you shared that with us all the time. Yeah. And so we talked about who it is that we're becoming and, and this Christmas party that was going to be 20 years in the future, which we're awful close to now. And (laughs) that we are, that we are, you know, going to be this type of family and have this certain sort of bond. And, and I was parenting you in preparation for me being the grandparent to your children, 
that I want to be. And that was huge to me to have that longer term view. So trying to prepare now, like if you already have adult children and things maybe aren't so hot, we're going to talk about what to do with that. But if your children are younger, um, prepare, prepare ahead of time for what that is going to be like. So start with that 20 year vision that I talk about in my course, my teaching self-government course and, and my books like Parenting a House United. I talk about how to create a really great family vision and getting your family on board with that kind of thing. The book Roles also goes into that. And so discussing roles is actually a really vital part. What the roles look like when they're in the home, what the role, roles look like when they're adults. And when all of my children have hit adulthood now, who have three out of the four, I always say to them, well, now that you are an adult and I'm an adult too, uh, we need to talk about our roles because I'm still your mom and you're a child and that will never, you're my child and that will never change that you're my child and I'm your mom. But who you are in your own life now changes, right? Which means who I am in your life has to change too. So then I've always looked at my adult children and I've said, so what do you think my role is in your life now? Now that you're an adult too, and you're starting to create your own way in life. Yeah. And, and me as the adult child, I know when we had this conversation, um, I said it was more of like a mentor or a guide. So someone that offers advice and helps to look ahead into the future, give vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and Quinn, he said, he said, I think your, your job is to give me advice (laughs) and to try to stop me from doing anything stupid, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Good job, Quinn. And that's just so what he would say, right? Yeah. But, but he's basically like, if you really see me going down a wrong path, I mean, like, say something, you know? <laughs> and I know we've had talks with London and Porter and they're like, mom, if you ever see me, like, if I, if I'm going to marry somebody and you're like, there's major red flags, like you got to tell me, you know? And, and they've all said things like, you know, I got to make sure that I marry a person that gets along with the family. Mm -hmm. because if they don't get along with a family, nobody's going to be happy ever because I get along with my family and I don't want to have that be a problem. I want (laughs) them to be part of that, you know? So there's been things that we've talked about along the way, who we are, what we want it to be like. And so that as people are moving forward with their decisions, they can keep that in the back of their mind and, and they can know when things aren't right. Mm -hmm. You know, they can say, wait a minute this, this relationship isn't going to work because this person, she doesn't like my family or whatever it is. Like this is, this is just not going to work. So anyway, there's some things that we need to remember. One thing that's really key that we need to remember is brain development. Okay. So a person's cortex is not developed until they are about in their mid twenties. So right around the age of 24, 25, a person's brain finally fully developed. So up until that time, I mean, Paige, you're not even hundred percent there yet, potentially. No. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I am you know, like I mean, mentally I- pretty mature for my age, but. <laughs> well, yeah, you totally are. And, and maybe your brain is fully developed. We don't know. I mean, who, who monitors yeah. that? We don't. It's just- but there was a point where you, there was a point where I actually felt, oh, I, I, I feel more like 
I don't know. Like I'm done. Like there was, a, I, I remember <laughs> getting as a feeling and it did not happen until probably around the time you were little um, that all that happened. So I had two children before my brain was fully, you know, yeah. fully even developed. Well, that's what happens when you get married when you're 19. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I know that people would say that's outrageous, but it served me well. I actually was really mature. I was ready. My husband was uh, quite a bit older than me. He was 24. I was 19. I know. Here we go. Truth comes out. Um, <laughs> but I had dated a ton of people, literally so many. And um, and I really and did feel ready. I was, I actually wanted the marriage more than he did. I mean, to be <laughs> honest, I was like, I'm tired of just all this dating and playing around when I yeah. know this is the guy I want, you know, anyway. And now we've been married for what? 27 years, almost I coming know. up in a couple of weeks since so. 94. So, yeah. So happy, happy, happy times with our marriage and our family. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we got to remember brain development, which means. Can I make a comment more... about that though? Cause like yeah. brain, especially nowadays, I mean, that statistic was made a while ago, but especially if you have little ones, you want to make sure that like ex- excessive use of technology can deter that even longer. So mm. like, cause nowadays we don't, we have people who aren't even moving out of their parents' house until their mid twenties or possibly even 30s you know and it's because they don't know how to problem solve on their own and because they've been stimulated their whole lives by devices or you know stuff like that and so it takes even longer for that part of the brain to develop and so especially Mm. if you have a younger family you want to make sure okay think about that um you know in order to foster healthy brain development maybe limit technology Mm-hmm. This is actually really good. I'm glad you brought that in. And, and this leads to something else that it really does happen. I've seen it happen multiple times now, multiple different situations where parents also do too much. They don't actually teach their children adult skills, right? Yeah. So everything with teaching self-government, we are focusing on teaching adult skills. Um, we're not afraid of work with the children and them doing work on their own. We're not afraid of you know, following instructions, accepting no answers, accepting yeah. consequences, disagreeing appropriately, like communication skills, planning skills. We have these meetings, we follow up, we check back all the time, like accountability, responsibility, you know, all these different I'd go, things. I'd go as far to say that like the everything that we do and teach is to prepare children to be effective parents and effective adults. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, is some people mature faster than others just because their environment mm-hmm. leads to it. So it used to be that they thought children's brains, you know, matured, you know, right around 18, right? That their their prefrontal cortex was developed. And who knows, maybe mine was fully developed by the time I was 18, because I worked my guts out as a child. And I took <laughs> a lot of responsibility. And, you know, that kind of thing. And maybe yours, because of being raised in my house, developed earlier. It would be interesting to know. It would be yeah. absolutely interesting to know. I mean, I'm not a neurologist. I haven't done all those <laughs> studies. And I don't even know if they've studied those things like, well, children from this house versus children from this house. Yeah. What is the brain well, if you, like? If you I even think about it, like children, children from yeah. this time period versus children from our current time period. Like if you go back to the 1800s or even early 1900s, it's a completely different story. Children were 12 years old and they were interning at jobs. Yeah. I mean, and they were, and many of them didn't 
like by the eighth grade, they were done with school and their eighth grade education was more than we get through 12th grade. I mean, they, they yeah. were, they were reading the writings of, you know, Euclid and everybody and, and Aristotle and whatever. And they were like 13. It was because and, of their environment. They didn't have as many distractions. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's true. They, they talked about things, they read things, they built things, they worked, you know, I mean, it was different. So did their brains develop faster? I, I would be, I mean, we couldn't <laughs> have studied them back then. So we don't know, you know, with the, at the end of the day, we my don't know. My bet would be yes, though. <laughs> we, yeah, we will never know that. But my bet would be yes, too. So, um, so, but, but, you know, okay, let's, let's just say it is what it is right now, and that their brains don't fully develop until they're you know in their 20s and so just that means that they do still need some guidance they need someone to direct them a little bit to at least ask them how things are going pose some important questions give some advice stuff like that so that's what I'm definitely trying to do as a parent not definitely not control anybody I know I can't everyone's got their own choice their own agency but I can pose some good questions and be a good resource for them but but I can't do that unless I have good open communication. It's true. Cause that's super important. If you can't communicate with your child about your hopes and dreams for the future for them and for you and how you want your relationship to be, then there's not really much you can do. You kind of just have to hope for the best and see what happens, which doesn't mm-hmm. always work out. There's a very slim chance that that actually ever works out. Mm-hmm. So, but I know for like, for you and me, that communication was open all the time. We could talk about anything under the sun at any age I was at. I mean, obviously we kept it age appropriate, but um, it was, I knew I could come to you with anything, you know, whether it be, oh, you know, I just, you know, puberty and I had my first period or, oh, you know, what does this mean in math? Or mom, why do people act this way when people say stuff like this? Or mom, why is this political thing the way this is? And why are people so upset? You know, we could Mm -hmm. literally talk about anything and have an open discussion where we could talk about different ideas and um, different truths that there were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is I think that there were multiple reasons that happened. So number one, we had a habit of always discussing. So we had regular meetings, family meetings, mentor meetings. Well, and that ties back to uh, brain development because that open discussion meant you were helping our brains develop and learn how to problem solve and analyze things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and every time something needed to be fixed, it was a teaching moment, not just a boom, you lost your privilege. You know, it was like, Mm -hmm. it was a teaching moment. We always were discussing everything and I was okay with correcting you. I didn't take it personally. So why, so it didn't matter what thing you did that some people would consider to be bad. Maybe I was going to, I already decided ahead of time. I was fine with it. We would work through it. (laughs) I would teach you what needed to happen. I'm going to be firm and make sure that you get on the right path. I'm going to teach you the right way, but I'm not going to be angry ever. Firm just means principled. You know, I'm just going to be principled in my discussions. I'm going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. And I'm, and the thing is, is I was always, um, I always told you the truth in everything, the truth. And didn't sugarcoat stuff, but I also didn't overtell, especially, you know, get into the sexual things. I made sure the right things came at the right time, you know, Yeah. and, and stuff. Maybe we should have, you know, one of these about talking about sex sometime, but definitely people idea. would listen to it with their children. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I, that, I wouldn't have to have a rating. I don't know. Okay. So anyway, um, but 
another thing was that I always made sure I was the first person to tell you stuff, which is also important. So I didn't, I didn't wait till you got into trouble before we talked about the trouble. I discussed mm-hmm. everything before trouble ever even came around. Yeah. And in fact, so like with sexual were, stuff, like I had a lot of friends be like, oh yeah, my friend so-and-so told me this and this and this. And I'm like, oh yeah, I heard that from my mom when I was like nine. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's not new information, but yeah. that made it so that if anyone ever did tell you something or you saw something, you would be like, wait a minute. I, I know a better authority on this. Mm-hmm. than media or pop culture and I don't have to hide what I know from my mom see that's another thing is that if you hear your stuff from another source even if it's a school source like a teacher or other kids right. well some people some kids think I gotta hide that from my parents that's too graphic I gotta hide it I know. and so but if the parents are the ones who do the best teaching then the the child is not going to be hiding stuff from the parents so anyway there's so many things we have a whole other podcast on open communication so i think we'll just refer <laughs> people there that was one of our few our first I'm ones sure there's did, plenty of so. articles on the website too oh totally yes yeah, so much okay so we have to plan for how we're going to solve problems when a person is an adult i think that's important mm-hmm. um so when especially uh, like a beginning w- adult well, yeah, but so, okay, so if we know how to solve problems when we're not adults, you know, or when, or when the child is not an adult, that's going to lead to how do we solve it when the child is an adult. So, right. so one thing we have to always be able to do is we have to be able to take criticism, right? And that's part of taking a no answer. Mm-hmm. And we have to accept consequences, which sometimes means somebody is not happy with what happened, right? That's a consequence. That's one of those natural consequences, So what you do is you plan to describe situations instead of react to situations. And you plan that you can always come to each other to talk about things. So we just said to each other, this is just very deliberate. It's not even that hard, but I just said, hey, listen, there's going to be times when we don't agree about something. Maybe it'll be a family party. Maybe it'll be, you know, the way somebody else is handling something. Maybe there'll be something that's concerning you in the family because we're going to be bringing in all these other people getting married, everything else. Yeah. Someone else's actions. (laughs) Yeah. So there has to always be a way that you can come talk to me. Number one, you can always come and, you know, have a disagree appropriately with me, but always just give the people in the family the benefit of the doubt and let's describe what's going on and then see if we can, we can look through, the options of how to handle it and try to consider where somebody else is coming from. So there's a problem solving exercise that we learned as um, when they were children and it was called sodas, a sodas exercise, which means situations, options, disadvantages, advantages, solution. And this type of a sodas mindset is how two adults solve problems. Oh, and it's so nice. And you end up just doing it naturally. Yeah. So, you know, you just, oh, here's our situation. And then you go into your options and stuff. And, and you can go through this just as you're talking with someone without even real, like without even saying, okay, now we're at D now we're, you know, <laughs> so, but, <laughs> but I mean, in order you, to be able to do that, you have to do it out loud and written down a number of times when you're younger. Yeah. And so if you haven't done it already before, you could be like, okay, we, it looks like we have a problem to solve. Let's take this formula and, (laughs) and let's just write down what we're going to talk through. Yeah. So sometimes writing it down seems more. You have everything laid out. Yeah. And let's make a plan that we can talk about how somebody feels, but we're not going to dump our emotions on people. We're not going to require that everybody sees things our way. 
talking about how somebody feels is different than forcing a solution because of feeling that's different. Right. So, so we have to bring that up ahead of time and discuss how will we solve problems? How will you bring it up to me? I will always listen to you in this way, but I will always be straight with you. And that's something I told my children. I will always be straight with you. No matter what, if something needs to be said, I will always say it. I'm the kind of person I won't say it like in a way that I'm angry or whatever, but I will always tell you the truth of what I see. If we're solving a problem, if something needs to be fixed, I will always tell you what I recognize. And and then, you you know, obviously each person can do with it what they want, but we have to respect that about each other. And I tell them, I hope you'll always be straight with me. Mm hmm. And you we can't hide from each other. Yeah, you can't hide from each other. If everybody's hiding from each other, then we've got a problem. Yeah. Well, I think not only do, is this important in like parent, adult, child, and parent relationships, but also in between adult siblings. So I know I had a uh, an experience with London just recently where we were texting and I'm like, hey, you know, can I come over and study for a little bit? You know, because I'm like, she's an adult and I want to respect her and you know, I want to ask if I can come visit. And she's like, yeah. But then she said something like, you know, you should do this or you should bring this. And I'm like, did you mean to say, can you bring this please? <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, okay, you know, that respect has to be between adult siblings as well. And so, and I know oh, she's yeah. young, she's still learning stuff like that. And that's totally fine. But, um, that, that hit me recently. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. That's important here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and how you correct each other, it's good to disagree appropriately with yeah. each other still, because that's a, that's a skill for life. So that brings us to these four basic skills. Uh-huh. So in teaching self-government, we have the four basic skills, following instructions, accepting no answers and criticism, accepting consequences and disagreeing appropriately. And those four basic skills are going to be things that you're going to use with your siblings forever, with your spouses, with your new in-laws, they may not even know them, but you could use them. <laughs> and and with your parents, they're going to be things and with employers and with teachers and with, you know, all the different people that you, you do things with friends, people you go to church with, hopefully those four basic skills are going to help you, but they absolutely are going to always keep helping in those family relationships and the family bond. So um, that's important. Now let's talk about when things aren't so great, because I know there's a lot of people who might be struggling with adult mm-hmm. children. And I think it's important for us to mention that we understand that we know that that's happening. People have mentioned to us multiple times about, um, you know, and pretty regularly, in fact, some of the struggles sure. they're having getting through to their adult children, how adult children will put up walls and they don't want to hear anything from their parents. They don't want to be talked to uh, by their parents. I had a parent say to me just the other day, you know, um, my, my child has, doesn't even want to talk to me and I'm just respecting that. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's a hard situation to be in, you know, and we do have to respect each other. We have to have patience with each other and stuff like that. Um, but, but how do we get through to them? There are some ways to get through to them. Um, so, you know, you absolutely can just do kindnesses, uh, you know, sometimes when they're not ready to hear any advice from you, then because, because maybe that's just not where it is, you know, it should be that you could give advice, but they're not ready for it. Well, then you can't give it. Okay. That's where you're at. Right. If you didn't set it up ahead of time, you can't give it. And so hopefully you get your relationship to a point where all of a sudden they can honor your advice. But first, what you have to show them is I support you. 
I'm here for you. I'm not going to judge you. You don't have to be perfect for me. I love you no matter what. I mean, those are really important messages, right? Um, if they literally won't talk to you, like no matter what, um, and they won't talk to you, then, then you're left with prayer if you're a praying person and thinking good thoughts and choosing not to be offended, even though that is so hard because you love them more than anything. Yeah. Um, but praying, praying that they will come around, praying that they'll value you. There's something that you can really trust in actually. And that's in the teaching that you've already done before they left your home. Hopefully. I mean, not everybody maybe feels like they did everything just right. And there's no <laughs> point, there's no point in beating yourself up. No. And so, and I think that's important to say is like, even if you weren't perfect, you didn't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, okay. But it's not and helpful for your children to see you beat yourself up either. If you want to apologize, that's fine. But it, and, but there's no, even, you know, once you've apologized, then what you do is you move on and you trust that you can go from there to somewhere better. And if they don't want to come, then that's okay. You just keep trusting that at some point they'll get there. But if you did do all the, all the good teaching, you know, I was talking to someone just the other day and, oh, just such a great, great family. And, and this family, you know, has given their whole heart and soul. And I mean, just all the truth and all the good stuff to their children. And, but that doesn't mean that the child still chooses to be perfect. I mean, you know, and, and no when I say perfect, perfect <laughs> yeah. Okay. When I say perfect, I mean, maybe the child even leaves the core values of the family and struggles and even turns some against the family and doesn't have good communication with the family. I mean, that can happen even if, and I looked at this, I looked at this sweet family and I said, you know what? I a hundred percent know that whatever happened in their childhood, those happy days, those happy years, the happy bonds that they had before all of this, they'll always be there. They'll always be there. They will remember. They are memories that they can't ever get rid of. They're part of their mind. This is why a happy childhood is so important. Yeah. This, it's foundational. I mean, this, and this foundation helps them in the moment when life is not going good. They go so back maybe, to those core memories. Mm -hmm, and they go, wait a minute. Was I ever happy before? <laughs> Has my life always been bad? And then they go, wait a minute. I was. And do I know other people that are happy? Maybe people that even still love me. They still send me a card, even if I don't want to talk to them. Hmm. Do yeah. I know people who are happy? I do. What's it's their formula. Ooh, then yeah, those then they start analyzing. values come back. Mm -hmm. They do. People can think and we have to trust in that. We have to trust that they'll remember, trust that they'll think. And, uh, and I always prayed for my foster children when they would leave my home, that they would have honesty points, that if their lives ever got bad, that they would always be blessed with these points where they could fully see the truth about what made people happy and what didn't and that that I would have been an example of that for them well and we've actually had experience with that we're still in contact with um one of our the one of the people that we fostered and um they contacted us you know a couple years ago and we hadn't heard from them in a while and they're like oh you know Nicolene we I I need help you know I remember being so happy in your home and I remember that there was you know that there's just this, this spirit of happiness and um, 
you know, organization. Love. Yeah. And so she's like, okay, I need help with that. Like I've got two, two kiddos of my own and I'm kind of on my own and, you know, it's just me and them. And so I need help. What do I do? You know? And so they were able to return back Mm -hmm. to those moments where they saw stability and they saw happiness and they're like, okay, we're reaching out to the person that made that happiness possible. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we can yeah. get those principles and skills that they have and so that we can use them for ourselves. Yeah. Well, and those are those honesty points. I mean, we all have them. Even if we haven't gone way far off the edge, we get we get a point where we're like, wait a minute, why am I doing that? Why do I keep doing that? I am not doing <laughs> that anymore. I am done. You know, and we and these po- these moments where we feel strong enough to make a change, you know, in something, whether it's changing from sugar to not sugar, from exercise to not or not exercise to exercise. Ooh, we don't want to go the other <laughs> from um, you know, whatever it is. I mean. There's moments when we all reinvent ourselves and I call those honesty moments, the moments where we go, okay, there's got to be a change that needs to be made here. Yeah. And I, I, and I'm now ready. Maybe before I knew, but I, I didn't want to acknowledge it, but now I just know. Right. And we all do that. And, and I, I don't know how many times that, I mean, I feel like I get that regularly. In fact, (laughs) I look for opportunities for that. And and I think most people, when they're focused on becoming the best version of themselves, start looking at opportunities for that. And your children will do that too, as they start to mature more and more Mm -hmm. and take on more responsibility in their own lives. And, and so we can rest assured that there will be truths and maybe even there will be some moments where, um, where they will forgive if we weren't perfect. And because we will already have forgiven ourselves and them, and maybe they will remember the goods and they'll try to make other good things too. You know, I know not everybody has just the ideal childhood. Some people have a lot of hard things that happen. And um, even though they do create little scars and, and things inside, I do think even a person can get over those. Um, They can, they can choose to leave them behind and deliberately make new memories as well so there's Mm -hmm. always a forward that it's never too late never 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 so we can't ever give up on our adult children that's just so important even if we feel like things aren't going the way we wish and we need to remember that our hearts our condition of hearts will always be tied to theirs somehow we have to remember that Oh, it's been so good talking about adult children and talking about parenting. And probably we could go on about this more and more and more. But Paige, as we talk through these podcasts, I'm sure Paige, that people are going to understand more about, you know, what your life is like and and my connection to you during this time. And hopefully that teaches a lot there. Um, If you want to find more out about anything that we have said, there is so much. I mean, this is scratching the Mm -hmm. surface. Please remember that. Yeah, it is scratching the surface, though. <laughs> and I highly recommend that people get the full teaching self-government training. In order to do that, you need to do like a parenting mastery, which is like three days of training. Oh, they're so or, good. Or do the course, the online the teaching TC self-government parenting, parenting course. course. It's like 20 hours. It's got live coaching calls. It has support group access. You get it for life. Yeah, it's just so great. So anyway, um, get the help you need. Find out more at teachingselfgovernment.com. And we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 
You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.